Hello and welcome to another episode of Lockdown Wolves. Today on the show, a crossover episode with Cyrus Satsis of Lockdown Warriors. Golden State might be interested in Carl Anthony Towns. According to Cyrus, I'll tell him why I don't think that there's a trade to be made between the Warriors and Wolves. But what could Golden State be looking for this offseason to try and reshape their roster? What would the Wolves maybe accept in a Carl Anthony Towns trade from Golden State? We'll break it all down on the show. Welcome in. You are Lockdown Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Wolves podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Lockdown Wolves. Today's episode is brought to us by our friends at GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price Guaranteed. Happy Tuesday, everybody, and a big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. This show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also watch the show on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. And uh, you can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right, today's show is a very special crossover with Lockdown Warriors. Cyrus Satsas over at Lockdown Warriors. And uh, Cyrus actually reached out to me, setting this up, to talk about Carl Anthony Towns. He thinks Golden State needs to kind of redo their cap sheet, try and avoid all these repeater taxes, I guess well over $400 million in luxury tax, like crazy. Um, so he targeted Carl Anthony Towns as a potential trade target for the Warriors. Um, Jordan Poole has to be involved in any trade with Golden State for salaries to work. And so I actually opened our Twitter conversation was like, Hey, I don't know that this works. He wanted to talk it out. So we went through like what golden state's looking for, what the wolves are looking for in a trade ultimately. And, and we get to this conclusion on the pod. Uh, well, actually I'll let you listen to the conclusion on the pod, but I wasn't too enthused about the possibility of the Warriors as a trade partner. So we talked about Jordan Poole as a potential centerpiece from a salary matching standpoint, how many picks golden state could give Minnesota. And also what I think of Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga as potential kind of, I guess, must almost linchpins to a potential deal with the Warriors. So without further ado, let's get into that conversation here on this Tuesday. All right, we are on a very special crossover episode, myself and Cyrus Satsis from Lockdown Warriors. We're going to talk a little bit of Wolves-Warriors, and uh, I think this really centered Cyrus around the idea that uh, the Warriors could perhaps be interested in a Carl Anthony Towns trade. There's been a little bit of chatter lately that the Wolves are finally maybe open to trading Carl Anthony Towns. So that's kind of the genesis of us um, you know, having this conversation, and, and I guess from a, from a um, from a Wolves fan's perspective, like why the Warriors might be interested, what Golden State's up to, and then, you know, flipping that, like what the Wolves could be looking for in a cat trade. Are they open to it? Um, we'll do that. We'll talk a little general NBA, um, just kind of a, I guess, a wide ranging conversation, if, if that sounds all right with you. Yeah, why not? It's the off season, right? Let's do it. All right. Mix so it up. Let's uh, let's start with the premise of a potential Carl Anthony Towns trade. I've talked to Unlocked on Wolves quite a bit over the last couple of weeks and I had Howard back on a couple of weeks ago and he was pretty pretty convinced that the Wolves would be open to trading Carl Anthony Towns this offseason. Uh, the cliff notes here are he's trade eligible the first week of July after signing the max extension um, a couple of years ago and the extension kicks in this year as well. Um, and there, of course, is the possibility the Wolves could trade him on draft night in sort of like a handshake agreement where it doesn't become official until July. And of course, the Wolves don't have very many draft picks after the Rudy Gobert trade at all. And so um, there could be some motivation to at least explore Carl Anthony Towns' trade from the Wolves' side. Uh, from your side, Cyrus, where are the Warriors at? Why is this something they would consider 
Um, you know, I guess what's the what's the thought process behind a potential Towns trade? Well, I guess uh, first of all, the, the great Howard Beck is is part of our network. He, he came on Locked On Warriors, but I would say this: no disrespect to, to Howard Beck, but I feel like your opinion on Carl Anthony Towns would be more valid. You're the insider; you cover this team. Um, the re- the whole reason why this the, the genesis of this crossover came from the fact that the Golden State Warriors, in my opinion, are in an existential crisis right now because they've had this incredibly dominant run. Uh, it, it, to the to the fan base, to the team, it was a disappointing finish this year. Very predictable finish if you if you listen to Locked On Warriors. But they're in this position now where you know we we don't know what's going to happen with Bob Myers. We're recording this on Memorial Day. If you're listening on Memorial Day, Happy Memorial Day, everyone! Um, and tomorrow, Bob Myers is conducting an exit interview where we're going to learn if he's staying or if he's going to leave the franchise that he's led to a dynasty. Um, so, but you know, the, the Warriors are in a position. And a lot of people don't realize this. And I don't know if your team's been in, in cap hell uh, where you're you start experiencing all these different aprons, all these different tiers of tax penalties. But the about Warriors are about to be there. <laughs> so, and, yeah. And so the Warriors are at the pinnacle of it. And they've been there for a while, largely because of the core three making big money. Uh, you know, Jordan Poole getting an extension now that kicks in starting this year. Andrew Wiggins, your former player, uh, you know, makes you know below max dollars, but he's you know twenty five million is still a lot of money. So the Warriors are in this position now where ownership has said they don't want to spend over four hundred million. They publicly said that I think repeatedly, uh, and uh, you know, look, they're they're filthy rich. They can afford to spend more than that, but that's the line. To me, four hundred million is a lot of money. I, I it's hard to really be upset if they don't go over that, but nonetheless, that's the reality of it. And right now, the way things are looking, the Warriors are going to be spending next year. If they keep the roster and add a few veteran minimums, they have the 19th pick in the draft this year. They're going to be spending $490 million approximately, give or take a few mil, depending on how the math adds up. And that's not that's not feasible. That's not realistic. So I decided to start exploring some trades that would maybe bring that number down while simultaneously keeping the Warriors in contention. And I found what I thought was the best trade possible, and it involves your team. That's why we're doing this now. And the trade involves to your team, uh, and and it's a big haul. You'd be getting Jordan Poole. You'd be getting Jonathan Kaminga, who I love, and I think will be a future superstar. You'd be getting Moses Moody, who I also love, could be a future star. Gary Payne II, a defensive stalwart, um, and... We're throwing in two first round picks, including this year's 19th, which we which the Warriors will have to pick because of weird rules based on the fact that the Warriors first round pick next year is a top four protected. Because of that, the Warriors technically can't trade this year's pick. So the Timberwolves would have to instruct the Warriors on who they'd want uh, to, to make that part of the package. But nonetheless, you'd be including uh, the ninth, the first round, a first round pick this year and, and another first rounder in the future for your center, Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, by doing that, the Warriors will bring their cap number down to 400 million. They'd have the best starting five of the NBA. They'd have serious issues pertaining to depth, but they also had the exact same issues when they won the title a year ago, and they solved that with better, with you know, smart signings with veteran minimums. Um, so that's the proposal I came up with. <clears throat> I've gotten some pushback on that in the sense that a lot of people don't even like Carl Anthony Towns. And this is where, like, you you know, you take over. You, If, yeah. if you want to explain to people who hate on Carl Anthony Towns why you don't want to trade him, I'd love to hear that. But that's the trade. Your thoughts, Ben? 
Yeah, I mean, from Carlton Towns' perspective, like Cat, I understand why he's a polarizing player. He hasn't done it in big games. Wolves haven't been in that many big games. This year, I mean, he missed 52 consecutive games of the calf injury, and everybody is, you know, at least nationally, right? The national perspective is, you know, Ant is the guy you're building around. And now the Wolves have said that. Tim Connolly, the Timberwolves president of basketball operations, has said we are building around Anthony Edwards. Everything we're doing is with Ant in mind, which makes a lot of sense. Um, I, you know, I think the the national perspective and what I would say maybe opposing fan perspective of Carl Anthony Towns is generally a little bit unfair. He is he is he's quite literally one of the best offensive players, not just bigs, players in the entire league when he's healthy. And he's actually not as bad defensively as most people think. Um, he He's fine, right? Like he's he's not a good defender, but he's really not like. I mean, he was exposed a little when he ended up having to guard fours this year with, with, that's another conversation with Rudy Gobert on the floor with him, but, um, and he's not a rim protector, but you can manage with Carl Anthony Towns in, in a, in a team concept. He can switch a little bit. He can block some shots. He's still mobile for a big, like he's obviously not Bam Adebayo. He's not Rudy Gobert. He's not that type of a player, but he's not a complete, you know, sieve on the perimeter either. If he ends up out there and, and he can hold his own in the paint. So I think he gets a little bit of a bad rap. The the bigger issue with Cat is, yeah, no, 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 that that that's good. I, I mean, I think the bigger issue is is something that I think could work if he were on the Warriors, and and we'll start there. Is that like can he be the one A on a on a like a legit contender, not even a championship winning team, but a team that can get past the first round of the playoffs? We don't really know that. He's been in the playoffs three times. Once was with Jimmy Butler, so he wasn't 1A then. Once was last year, when you could argue he was because Ant was still just in his second season. Um, and the team won, what, 46 games last season. They were really good. He was All-NBA again. He was an All-Star. I think people forget, he's been All-NBA third team twice. He's a three-time All-Star. Like, he's really good. This year, you know, you have Rudy and you have Ant and Cat missed 52 games. So he's only been in the playoffs three times. He's won a total of four playoff games in his career. He didn't play well in the play-in last year. Um, he had a phenomenal half this year against the Lakers in the play-in and then was bad in the second half and was bad in the second play-in game. Um, so the volatility in the big games is questionable. Can he be the 1A on a championship team? If you go to Golden State and Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green are there, you don't have to be, right? You could be the third or fourth option or whatever. Um, and like from a Warriors perspective, that is attractive if I'm a Warriors fan because he's also only 28 years old. And so he's the youngest of that group of players. And so there could be a bit of a torch passing. And, and is he ever going to be the 1A in the future? Probably not. But like, at least you have somebody that, that you know, is in that next window. Um, so from that perspective, like if I'm a Warriors fan, and this isn't to speak of what depth would be left after this potential trade, just strictly from a high-end talent, you know, look at things, I, I would love to have Carlton Towns on my team if I were Golden State. I mean, I like. I think it's easy to forget just how talented and just how good he is. And if he can fit in a defensive... Because Andrew Wiggins wasn't a good defender in Minnesota either. People don't realize that. That was partly because he was 19, 20, 21, and the Wolves were asking him to do too much. But the culture in Minnesota wasn't right. The scheme wasn't right. The tools around Wiggins weren't right. He goes to Golden State, and he's phenomenal defensively. I don't think Cat would make that sort of a jump but he would be better in a team concept with a team like Golden State than he has been in Minnesota. You're, you're, you're echoing my exact sentiments. It's, you know, some players just need a change of culture. Um, I love that you brought, brought up the Wiggins thing because you're right. He wasn't known, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, as a defensive player until he came to Golden State, even though there were some sample sizes sure. that did show the, the potential was there. I mean, I remember when 
you know, and, and I do, and I, and I, I don't mean to be, you know, arrogant in saying this, but I was, I was wanting Wiggins and the receipts are there when I was hosting with Rick Barry for months before the trade happened. Um, I, I thought Wiggins would have been a perfect fit. There were videos of him defending Kawhi, videos of him defending LeBron efficiently, effectively. And I, I see that potential with Towns coming to the Warriors because if he comes to the Warriors, you have a starting five of, of, of Steph, Clay, Dre, Wiggins, and Carl Anthony Towns. That's a lethal starting five. I mean, all five of those players, with the exception of Draymond, are, are terrific shooters. Um, Draymond's still a playmaker. Uh, and then you'd have to build depth. But, you know, if you have a, a competent GM who can, you know, assess talent, I think you could do so. Would Minnesota do that trade, though? Is that a good tease for when we come back? I think that's a great tease. Uh, let's talk about our title sponsors from today's show. That's our friends at Game Time. Um, I don't know about you, Cyrus. I am not great at uh, at buying tickets on time. I'm often last minute, no matter what it is. Um, I don't know if, like, uh, concert tickets, uh, games, whatever it is, I'm bad at it. <laughs> but Game Time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Yeah. Forget planning months in advance. They have deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Uh, get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. Uh, no matter what it is, they have it. The Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. That's a guaranteed. That's right. Oh. All right. Uh, so from the Wolves' perspective, this this proposed trade, uh, I mean, like just just to kind of rehash. Let's see. You have Jordan Poole, and, and really, this is what well, I'll get there in a second. Jordan Poole, Jonathan Kaminga, uh, Gary Payton the uh, second, Moses Moody, and the two picks. That's right. Right. Correct. And okay. you get two of those four picks. You give up for for. Uh, uh, you know what's weird? I, his name is blocked out of my memory because of, of you know what's uh, weirdly, and I know I'm a weirdo saying this, the pandemic has created this mental block for me uh, <laughs> with the Frenchman where like, because yes. remember how he was touching everything? Yeah. And then like a day later, he got it. And he was like, well, he was like the first guy who kind of started the whole thing before the games got canceled. And I've created like this mental block from him because of that. What's his name, man? I can't, I, my listeners yeah. know this. I literally... For some yeah. reason, have uh, a brain block, a brain fart every time his name comes up. Yeah, uh, Rudy Gobert would, would, Rudy would be Gobert that. Would be yeah. that. So Rudy Gobert, yeah. you give up four first rounders for him. Is that correct? That's yeah. It's uh, it was three a pick swap and well, I guess four and a pick swap or three and two pick swaps and then also Walker Kessler. So you could say another one because he was you know had just been picked. Yeah, and then also Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, all guys who played significant minutes for good teams this year. Um, yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. So, so like any Carlton Towns trade and lockdown Wolves listeners know this would have to, you have to recoup some of those picks that you gave up because otherwise what's the point. And, and I should also say this for, for Warriors listeners, the Wolves don't have to trade Carlton Towns. So the Wolves would be negotiating from a position of strength. It's different than Jimmy Butler several years ago, or um, even more recently, like D'Angelo Russell, when he had an expiring deal, the Wolves, like Towns isn't asking out. He has said publicly he wants to be in Minnesota. He recently signed the extension. There's no reason why he like the Wolves don't have to trade him, right? He's already under contract for the next four years, um, but they can trade him now because they have Rudy Gobert. So they have another big. They have Anthony Edwards, obviously, um, and you also have Jane McDaniel's, who's about to get an extension. And and so 
you're going to extend McDaniels and Edwards. So there's also that you could trade him to save some money because Towns' contract goes up to 50 million next year. Uh, not this this yeah, not 22, 23, but 20. 23, yeah, or 24, 25, uh, because it's the Superbacks. So it's like 36 million this coming season, and that's 50 million the year after that. Um, and so from the Wolves' perspective, you're about to pay the luxury tax if you extend McDaniels and Edwards, and you can't pay you can't pay the repeater tax if you're the Minnesota Timberwolves because of the market, et cetera. Like, nobody wants to do that, but the Wolves can't do it. Um, and so to get ahead of that, one option is trading towns saying, Hey, we could get a couple picks back. Let's get ahead of this. We still have Rudy. He's got a couple more prime years left. We don't, you know, we could also resign Nas Reed in this scenario. I think there could be perhaps the Nas Reed resigning and towns trading there. There could be a link there. Right. Um, yeah. And just to add to that real quick, by the way, I'm yeah. sorry to interrupt, but just for the, for the Warriors fans listening, because there's some Warriors fans out there that bring up Nas Reed, like the Warriors should get him Warriors fans. This is the reality of our team situation. We can't sign anyone anyone we have no cap space uh there is no possible possibility to create cap space we, we no longer have a mid-level exception and i hate saying we for the warriors i'm not part of the team but you but the fan base uh and so the reality for the warriors is the only free agents they can get are veteran minimums so Nas Reed cannot go to the warriors so i didn't interrupt but i just need to let to inform the warriors fan base of that but continue on yeah and Nas is going to get paid in free agency. Uh, that's I, I I thought you know the Wolves were offering him an extension of ten twelve million around the deadline, and he wanted fourteen ish million a year. And um, again, I had Howard back on the show a couple weeks ago. He thinks he's going to get at least fifteen million a year. Um, like Nas is not Carl Anthony Towns, by the way. Carl Anthony Towns, like obviously, you wouldn't be giving up in a scenario in which you had cap space. You're not giving up assets to sign Nas. Nas could do some of the same things, but I mean, he is like. I don't know. He he's not as good as Carlton Towns, obviously, but someone he's going to get paid by somebody. So anyway, if the Wolves were to trade Towns, they could bring back Nas. But the Wolves are they don't have to trade Carlton Towns. So when I look at the Warriors and a, as a potential trade partner, I kind of I struggle with it because Jordan Poole has to be involved. There's no other way to do it. I went down the next like five salaries on the Warriors roster. That's the only way to make the salaries work. And obviously, then you run into the roster spot issue. Um, so it has to include Jordan Poole. And you and I went back and forth briefly about this on Twitter. Like, I think my concern with Poole is there's a little bit too much overlap with him with the ball in his hands and Ant with the ball in his hands. And like, Ant's a little bit more efficient. Ant's a better, much better defender. Um, Jordan Poole's a nice player and does a lot of things. He's a better playmaker than Ant, sure. But I mean, that's part of the reason D'Angelo Russell got traded is, is you want the ball in Anthony Edwards' hands, running actions with Carl Anthony Towns or Rudy Gobert. Uh, you don't want the ball in anyone else's hands. And so Mike Conley is a nice play off the ball, like can bring the ball up and, you know, give it to Ant and go stand in the corner. Like that works with Mike Conley. Jordan Poole, you'd want him to be a little bit more involved. And so that worries me a little. You obviously need the picks involved uh, because the Wolves would have to recoup a couple of picks. So I struggle to see it from a Wolves perspective. And I also like both could be true, right? Warriors fans cannot like it because they can be worried about the depth. And I cannot like it because I'm worried about the return for cat. It doesn't mean Warriors fans are wrong for not liking the trade. Um, I just, and I'm not, I just think the Wolves could get more for cat, whether that is, um, you know, maybe a player that's better than Jordan Poole and an extra pick from somebody or whatever that might be. But I struggle with the fit. Like, I think you're just kind of shuffling deck chairs at that point for if you're the Wolves, because um, now you've kind of, the roster's still in balance. It's just instead of two centers, you know, have two playmaking 6'4 guards, wings. Um, and, and like, I don't know. I, I just don't know that the roster balance really solved. Well, let me, let me ask you this. Is Anthony Edwards... A, a, a traditional shooting guard or is he so because everything everything i've seen of him is that he doesn't need to have a high usage rate to be successful meaning he doesn't have to have the ball in his hands 
that much. And I don't know who, who I know technically Mike Conley is your point guard, but like, you know, that can't be your future. And Jordan Poole right. is a point guard. Sure. Um, so if you're saying that doesn't work, uh, are you, are you telling me that Anthony Edwards needs the ball that much um, in terms of bringing the ball up the court, in terms of facilitating the offense? Like you're saying he takes on a point guard role often. He so he did last year quite a bit, and that's part of the reason that was part of the impetus behind the Delo trade was like Delo was unhappy. Uh, not he wasn't like an issue in the locker room necessarily, but like it, it was more of hey, that's also D'Angelo Russell, right? Like for him to be successful, he needs the ball in his hands. Ant is similar. I think he's obviously he could do more things off the ball. He's a better cutter. He's a really good catch and shoot shooter, but he's also one of the best players in the league getting downhill, and so. Like, yeah, you could run stuff to get him the ball. And, and, but like teams were guarding Ant like they guard Luka Doncic. Like they were just committing two to Ant in the middle of the floor and letting um, Kyle Anderson and Rudy Gobert and the other non shooters. I know Kyle Anderson shot 41% from three this year, but at like you don't want him shooting above the break. They were letting some of these guys just like run around free because they were committing two to Ant. Jordan Poole could potentially help with that. Um, but like one of the things I, you know, I went and looked at like catch and shoot numbers, like Jordan Poole was only 36% on catch and shoot threes. So if he's playing off the ball, I mean, that would have ranked like 11th on the Timberwolves this year, like down near Nikhil Alexander Walker with catch and shoot threes. And that doesn't, if you're putting the ball in Ant's hands, that's not great. Now you could flip it and Jordan Poole runs point and runs the offense. Sure. But then I worry about like, and you would know better than me, but most of the playmaking numbers would suggest that Jordan Poole would rather, you know, create a shot for himself. And unless you're convinced that he can, fit that role where he's also going to be getting the ball to Ant and getting the ball to, you know, Rudy Gobert or whoever that might be. Um, I worry a little bit about that dynamic of those guys in the backcourt together on offense. Well, well, it, what I, look, I, I don't, um, I get what you're saying about Jordan Poole. My response to that is it's, it's weird to me that you focus so much on Poole when I feel like that's not the best part of the trade. That's not the the prize. The prize is Jonathan Kaminga. Sure, yeah. Who, the only reason why I even throw Kaminga and Moody in this deal, I don't want to trade either of those players. And I think that's the part that makes Dub Nation cringe when I propose this trade is why are you trading two players that could be literally, theoretically, all NBA talent? Um, and my answer to that is look at the way Kerr treated these two guys last year. Kerr just bungled the, the, the whole situation when it comes to minute distribution he he oftentimes dnp these two players and every time they play they deliver um so uh, do you not find value in kaminga and moody in this deal i i would and kaminga especially like i really like jonathan kaminga i do think like right now he'd be kind of plug and play in terms of a kind of a swing forward that that defensively at least like fits right he obviously played you know, fringe rotation minutes, as you said, inconsistent, inconsistent minutes on a, well, even a championship team, right. And, and a second round playoff team this year. So like, I like Kaminga a lot. I mean, he's only going to turn 21, what, like right before the start of the season next year. So yeah, early October. Yeah. Um, so yes, I, I mean, I, and the reason why I lock in on pool is just because he's got to be in the deal. And because of that salary number, you have to be able to justify it. Unless the Wolves see it as like, we want Kaminga, Kaminga and these picks bad enough that we're willing to take on pool and not that pool salary is bad necessarily. But again, like if the wolves didn't have Anthony Edwards and, you know, I don't know, like, and say Jaden McDaniels was, you know, they felt better about him being a star than, yeah, you could say like, okay, we need pool to go with McDaniels and Rudy Gobert, but because of Ant's presence and sharing the ball in the backcourt, that's what worries me the most. And pool gets paid too much in my opinion to like acquire him as, Hey, you're running our bench, but Kaminga. Yeah. I love Jonathan Kaminga. And Moses Moody. And, and I mean, like, like to me, and again, I don't want to give them up. I really believe sure. in, the, in the right situation, 
they could be superstar, if not superstar players. And and again, Kerr just messed that up royally. And if Kerr does commit to these two players next year and actually decides I'm going to give them a full time role, I'm going to I'm going to commit to 25 plus minutes a night with these guys. I don't want to make this trade anymore. A, a lot of this premise is based on the fact that Kerr is stubborn and loyal to his core three, even as we see them age and are no longer champions. I mean, that's the reality of it. Um, so, so that, that's the, that's the impetus for me. So I guess if, sure. if, if you don't see value in those two, then yeah, I, I can understand you not being excited about this trade, but I'm looking at your roster and like Gary Payne, the second, I feel like could be a massive bonus. The only reason why I'm including him is because he makes approximately 9 million next year. And because of the severity of the luxury tax penalties for the Warriors, that 9 million turns into like 60 million or 70 million. Sure, That's how extreme yeah. the, the penalty is that the Warriors are in. That's how much they're spending. So I, so I had to include Gary Payne the second in that trade to shed salary for the Warriors to make them go under 400 million, but he would be a perimeter defender for you. He could also guard bigs, but Gary Payne, the second is incredibly uh, diverse when it comes to both his defense and offensively, he's not a playmaker, but he's a fantastic finisher. And and again, but the Moody Kaminga thing to me is like that. I, I thought that would be a stronger selling point. But but yeah. look, for Dub Nation, I mean, listen, listen to the to the Wolves insider right here. He he does not want to get rid of Cat. Cat has value. I mean, Cat, as you mentioned, two time All NBA. He's a great player. I, I really believe under the right circumstances and the right culture, he can fit. Um, who, who who would you like in your dream scenario who are you trading cat for like who is like because this trade isn't exciting you clearly what kind yeah. of trade would excite you on a pragmatic level if you explore this yeah it's that's certainly something i'm going to spend a lot of the offseason uh kind of diving into maybe not team by team but finding you know the top a few handful of trade potential trades for towns the one that wolves fans are talking a lot about now is now that portland has i think the third pick and houston's got the fourth pick could portland be a possibility they're obviously trying to keep damian lillard happy is it a trade for a top pick in a loaded draft um because the wolves need to again luxury taxes looming for minnesota with extensions due for ant and mcdaniels in the next year and very likely later this year um one of the ways to avoid it is trading town's salary and taking back some you know expiring type contracts and they have to draft right. And and Tim Connolly drafted very well in Denver, obviously. Um, and you can't miss on those. And if you get to three or four, it takes Scoot Henderson, take somebody else that you feel like is going to fit uh, this Wolves. What's still, frankly, other than Rudy, it's still a young core, um, especially if you trade Carl Anthony Towns. I think that's actually where a lot of people are at because so many of the other star type level players that you'd be acquiring, they're available for similar reasons, right? So like, I mean, we can look at like, you know, Trey Young was mentioned. That doesn't help the Wolves at all. Uh, John Collins kind of, you know, I mean, I'd rather have Towns, right? Um, at slightly more money. Like you could go around the league and there's a handful of these names where you've got a similar issue with the Blazers. You could look at, is it like a Jeremy Grant sign and trade? You get the number three pick. There's, you know, a couple other pieces in there. That's one I talked about the other day on the show. Um, but again, it's got to be, I think draft capital is number one because you're looking for affordable players. And that's one of the concerns with this potential trade is, is yeah, you know, the salaries work, but then the Wolves still have to deal with tax implications, uh, potentially with Poole when he's got, I think, four years left on the deal uh, down the road. Yeah. So like, that's my main concern. And, and it's tough because, um, because like, I, like, I, I don't know. I mean, like I, I, I think cat on the warriors would work well. I actually think he would fit them really well. Um, but I just, I, I struggle with it. And, and, and again, like to go back to my first point, the wolves don't have to trade towns. I'd be a little bit surprised at this point. I'd say it's probably, this is just 
based on everything I've heard, 75-25, they don't trade him this offseason because, again, they don't have to. And also, it'd be a little bit selling low. Like, yeah, his salary jumps next year, but he played in like 29 games this year. So he's this was arguably the worst year of his career, even when he did play in terms of rebounding some of the shooting numbers. Like, if he runs it back next year and, and plays like he did two years ago, you can trade him for even more next summer. And it is four years, by the way. You were correct. He has four years on his deal. It just uh, he, he signed the extension uh, last year. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess ultimately, and again, for any any member of Dub Nation listening who doesn't like this trade, come up with something better. I, I'm I'm all ears. Like I'm an open minded person. I'm not sitting here saying that you know like this is the definitive best trade possible. But come if you have a better idea for shedding ninety million dollars and getting a player like Carl Anthony Towns back, I'm all ears. If you're the Timberwolves, do you say yes to this deal or no? If I'm the Timberwolves, I would say no. Um, wow. Okay. Well, there. Yeah. Like, see, everyone almost like anyone who hates on this trade who's a member of Dub Nation is saying, like, why would we want Carl Anthony Towns? But look, you know, that's this is value right there. Well, and it's also, and it's also, I mean, like, I think most Wolves fans would say no. Also, from just if if I'm in the Timberwolves front office from a basketball perspective, I think I say no only because because I think you can get more value elsewhere, and you don't have like it'd be a different thing if Towns asked out. This trade would be on the table as if it was on the table, you'd have to discuss it as a possibility because there there is value there. But again, like Towns and Gobert only played 29 games together. So the Wolves don't have to make the move as 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 depressing as the season was. They won only 42 games or four games worse than they were before the Rudy Gobert trade. Nothing says for sure this isn't going to work out yet. Um, so like ben, there's ben, just I know we. Yeah. I know we just met today for the first time. Uh, I know we've been part of Locked On together for years. We're, we're always involved in, you know, group the group messages sure. and stuff. But you seem like a very sensible person. You seem like a very intelligent person. So I, I'm curious to know, do you honestly, you personally, mm-hmm. do you honestly believe the way this this roster is constructed for the Timberwolves that that's going to work? Because the moment that trade was made, I was calling it out for being an awful trade. Mm-hmm. I don't see how the Twin Tower thing works. Uh, you know, your team needs a fundamental change. I, I really believe that if you want to be a, a team that actually goes deep in the playoffs for once. And, I, you know, so I, that, that's a huge reason why I, I, I looked at your team is because yeah. it's been discussed a lot. Um, you have, a, you have a, a, a front office guy in Tim Conley now who is known for having a solid track record. And, uh, you know, and, and I'm guessing he probably sees it. Maybe he doesn't see the same. I don't know. He didn't make this trade. So who knows? But do you really believe he, you personally? He did, though. Connolly did make the trade. It was right. Yeah, after. exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. But do you do you personally believe this will work? Uh, so I do. I do think there is a chance that it, it also depends on how we're defining working. I, I, I do think the Wolves could be a if they're completely healthy this year. Yes, I think it could work in the sense of they're get out of the first round. They could be a high 40s, 50 win team. I'd be surprised if they won a title with this team. But I will 100% agree they way overpaid for Rudy Gobert because they overpaid for the right to conduct this kind of wacky experiment that nobody else is doing. And 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 I appreciate that, you know, that they're trying to zag, you know, zig while everyone else is zagging or whatever, you know, so many small ball teams and just saying, you know what, screw it, let's go multiple seven footers. Um and, and I also like, like from a simplistic standpoint, the Wolves said, what do we need? We need rim protection and defense or and rebounding. Um, let's go get the guy who's the best defensive rebounder, best rim protector in the league, arguably in Rudy Gobert, he just coming off a defensive player of the year award. So in that sense, that's great. And yeah, Towns can play the four offensively, but there's also, you know, there's other things to consider. There's personalities. There's the fact that now a huge chunk of the cap is locked up into essentially the five spot. Um, so 
I do think if healthy, this team probably, you know, we don't know what the offseason looks like. And there are some question marks there. You know, the bench is going to get overturned a bit. Um, they could win 50 games and they could get into the second round and fine. It's the best, second best year, like literally for Warriors fans, that would be the second best year in Timberwolves history. Their best season was Western Conference Finals 2004. Second round would immediately be the second best season in history. So the bar is low in terms of quote unquote success. But unless they win a title, this can't be considered a successful trade because they have given up so much for Rudy Gobert. From a basketball perspective, I do think it can work, but the odds are not in the Wolves' favor, and um, that's where it gets a bit like, hey, well, wait, you gave up how much? Um, so, like, that that's to me, is the biggest issue. And Rudy Gobert is just, he like, he's a massive liability offensively. I've always thought he was a little overrated defensively. It was so much you guys gave up for him, but I just, I, I'm not opposed to the, to the, to the too big thing. That's not the part of it that I was opposed to. It was the go bear part of it. I just, I, I thought Connolly just overvalued him so much, but at the same time, new owners like to swing big. We all understand that. It's, it's, by the way, this is a weird thing. No one talks about. And I, I'm just curious. And I love, yeah. love for you to, to elaborate if you don't mind. Is Alex Rodriguez and the other person who is planning on eventually taking over, what, 80% of the team, are they going to come up with the money? Like, they have to come up with one more huge payment, right, to, to actually get the team. And it's a massive payment, isn't it? Like, are they going to yeah. get that money? That, yeah, I mean, they're on track. Like, they've they've made all the other payments on time. So the other guy is Mark Laurie. He's a tech billionaire. And so he's the one that is, you know, Alex Rodriguez, the cash burden is, is relatively low, of course, relatively low for him compared to Mark Laurie. So they made the, you know, they did 20% and they did another 20%, I think, in March of this year. Their next one is due in, in December of the following year. So uh, December of, I think, 24. Um, it's, and that's another 40%. So that is the big one. Um, and that's the last one. Then they'll have 80%. And then, you know, Glenn Taylor, who's owned the team for 20 plus years, would still have most of the last 20%. They've essentially been functioning as the majority owners, like Glenn Taylor signing off on everything. But they were the ones, uh, Lori and, and Rodriguez were the ones pushing for the Gobert trade, reportedly pushing for some of these other things um, to happen because they do want to make a splash, as you said. So, yeah, I, I don't think there's much actual concern about coming up with the cash. I think it's more um, like now Tim Connolly's their guy. And Chris Finch is, you know, Tim Connolly's guy. Like he wasn't hired by Tim Connolly, but uh, they'd worked together previously in Denver briefly and had been around each other in the league. Um, so like, you know, what happens in the next year and a half until they become majority owners? Do, do they, you know, do they make any other big moves in terms of front office or, you know, do they insist on, because the other thing going back to the cat thing, this is related is, um, and, and the Rudy thing is that this was clearly a potential pivot that Tim Connolly had in his mind when he made this trade. Like front offices are thinking so many steps in advance. He no doubt knew like, Hey, we're going to, it doesn't justify giving up as many picks as he did, but he surely thought I'll give up a bunch of picks. This is going to work. If it doesn't, I can flip Carlton towns. Rudy should be an effective, you know, rim protector, whatever for the next couple of seasons, I could get picks for cat in the middle of his prime. And then just kind of like rebuild around ants if the swing doesn't work. I'm sure he thought that it doesn't make it any less crazy how many picks he gave up or, the fact that like he had to know he was going to take a lot of flack for making this move. Um, but this pivot was clearly in his mind as a possibility, whether it's this summer or next summer. It's part of the reason why I think they give it another year, because again, you could, it's still there a year from now, unless something catastrophic happens, you can always trade towns in the summer of 24. That's true. Yeah. Even though I, I, as you, you inform me, he makes 50 million next year. That's, those supermaxes, man. They, yeah, they really they kick in, and and well, and Rudy is also making. I mean, fifty million. That's like almost what Steph's making, and oh yeah, um, yeah. and obviously Steph is Steph. 
But uh, I mean, Rudy too is making 40 plus million and, and then it's going to get his rookie max extension and McDaniels to get something close to that. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it gets, it gets that you gotta move one situation. Of those guys. You got to move one. You got to move one of those guys, especially when not like I would take Nas Reed over Gobert. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, would you, I don't know. Like I, I, I to me, Nas Reed is more valuable. I don't know. That's, that's yeah. I mean, I think, I think, I don't know. It's tough. I mean, Nas is certainly a more valuable offensive player, but I think that, um, that Nas has, he does so many things well that a lot of bigs don't, that it makes him seem better than he actually is as weird as that's a little convoluted, but like he's a good player and he can stretch the floor, but he's still only like a 34% three point shooter. He still doesn't actually like, this was his best rebounding season. He's not a great rebounder for a center. Like he's best used as a small ball center as like your third big that can play a little four, a really good passer for his size can block shots on the weak side, but he gets bullied in the post. Like he's really not a starting caliber player on a playoff team. I think he's best cast as like your third big, maybe your seventh player on a playoff team. Um, I I think he's going to get overpaid. I like him. I still think in a vacuum right now, Rudy Gobert is the better player. Gotcha. There you go. I mean, one more question for me and, and uh, yeah. just I'm just curious because I heard you use the word only for 36% three-point shooting. I know it was catch and shoot, but still uh, 34% use the word only. But I've always been uh, under this, the, the school of thought that anything 33% and above is is actually good because 33% shooting from three is the equivalent of 50% from two. Sure. Um, what, what is your, what, when do you stop using the word only for three-point shooting? I would say it's uh, related to the league average more than anything. I mean, league average now is up to around 36% overall for three-point shooting, not catch and shoot. And catch and shoot, that number is much higher because um, obviously guys shoot the ball better in catch and shoot situations. So like for the Wolves, like I actually looked this up because I was looking at, I dug into Jordan Poole a little bit. I mean, like Mike Conley, Anthony Edwards, Kyle Anderson, Torian Prince, uh, Jade McDaniels, Carl Anthony Towns, Nas Reed, all shot better. Actually, Austin Rivers slightly all shot better catch and shoot from three this year than Jordan Poole. And his, yeah. his, I would look at Jordan Poole's shooting numbers two years ago. If you're going to do a sure. an accurate assessment of how he is as a shooter, he had a bad year shooting. Um, and, and the why of that is multifaceted. Um, again, it goes a lot of it goes back, I think, to coaching. But um, yeah, it, as a shooter, he's he's better than he was this year. He had an awful year as a shooter. Um, that number is going to go up. I'm very confident of that. He's like I see Jordan Poole realistically as a the catch shoot numbers. I'm not a, a savant about that. I, I don't study that number that much. I, I'm impressed that you do, and I'm gonna you you certainly made me take a second look at that stat from now on. Um, but as a three as a three point shooter generally, I would expect him to be above 35 percent, closer probably sure. to 37, 38. Um, he is a good shooter. It's just this year he started forcing a lot of his shots and. And again, that's where coaching really comes into a play. You, you got to coach a player when he's regressing like that. And Steve Kerr lost Mike Brown. That impact was massively huge. It was it was evident more than ever this this season. Um, so with that said, all, my point is like, Jordan Poole's yeah. a better shooter than that. That's it's it's. Uh, I wouldn't call this last year a, a, rep, a proper representation of who he is sure. as a shooter. But I also understand your concern, man. He's there's yeah. a reason why Warriors fans will not cry if Jordan Poole is gone, and he might be gone for nothing. Like the Warriors might trade him. Uh, just to get an exception back, just to get that salary off the books. I mean, that's a plausible uh, scenario there. So um, yeah. that's why, yeah, the, 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 he might be gone. But I also can understand you being concerned and not being <laughs> blown away. I thought the yeah. Kaminga part would, would excite you a little so, more. And Moody. I think Moody's going to yes. be a great player too. So my last, my last question for you would be, uh, 
Jonathan Kaminga, you talked about, a little bit about how you, you think you, he could be a star. He is only 20 as of right now. Yeah. Um, what do you think his most likely case, you know, maybe not ceiling, but like say the Warriors don't trade him. Like what's his role next year on this team for, for Wolves fans that may not have seen him play a bunch. What, like, what do you like so much about Kaminga? What is his most likely kind of outcome in, in, in the NBA? Well, he's a, he's a vastly underrated shooter. People criticize that, but he shot, I think, 52, 52.5% from the field, 37% from three. Um, and he's working on his his whole game this offseason. There's clips of him right now. He's doing like a he's traveling all over the place, working with uh with skills coaches. Um Kerr Kaminga himself in his in his exit interview. And generally speaking, the criticism is he doesn't grab enough rebounds, even though his per 36 numbers are fine. Um, so that, supposedly that's one facet of his game he wants to work on. Kaminga is a perimeter player who, with the Warriors, if he wants to get minutes, and this is where I disagree with Kerr strongly. Um, he has to develop a stronger inside game and he has to become more of a four who can sometimes handle fives. I don't agree with forcing Kaminga into that position. That's not his biggest strength. His strength is as a three who can handle the four, who can shoot. Uh, he, he was tasked with def- with defense this year, oftentimes guarding the, the opposing team's best defender. Um, and this happened largely because they didn't have Gary Payton the whole season during the, during, until the postseason. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Wiggins was injured a lot. So, so Kaminga was forced to suddenly become this defender and he shined. He's actually, he, he was aggressive. He uh, wasn't a liability, quite the opposite. Um, so what he's working on this offseason, from my understanding, is, is becoming a better ball handler. Uh, the rebounding aspect of it, I guess, whether that's aggression, whether that's, you know, actually studying tape. Uh, but I, my, I love him. To me, like it was a crime that he didn't play in the postseason. Might have cost the Warriors in the conference semis. And he could be a superstar type player who like who you could compare him to. I mean, people bring up Kawhi Leonard a lot. Um, maybe. I mean, that might be his level. Uh, you know, some old school people bring up players like Dominique Wilkins just because Kaminga has that athleticism where he has these like monster dunks. He can attack. Um, you know, so this, to me, the, the sky's the limit. I, I don't I don't know what his potential is, but he has to play. And if Kerr's not going to play him, that's just a crime, man. That's a, like they can't survive next year without him getting real minutes. But um, if he doesn't play, that's why I propose this trade because I'd rather see him go to a team where he can actually flourish. And um, but I love the kid, man. I, I think he's going to be a superstar in this game. I really do. And of course, the full circle comment here that I have to make is that he was picked with the draft pick that was yeah. the Timberwolves pick that went Correct. to Golden State with Andrew Wiggins. Correct in the D'Angelo Russell trade, which uh, of course was the last Timberwolves front office. So if for no other reason than the Wolves trading with the Warriors' track record uh, is not great uh, recently. Uh, or I guess probably ever, uh, that would be another reason maybe for for Tim Connolly to avoid that one. Um, <laughs> I was he, he was, that. Gers- was, was Gerson Rosas before, but uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. <laughs> I love it, man. Ben, this was fun, man. Thanks for yeah. thanks for taking some time out today on Memorial Day. Yeah, likewise. Uh, I mean, we'll see what happens here with with uh, the Warriors offseason if they're able to do some some cap sheet shuffling and if the Wolves do trade Carl Anthony Towns. But definitely an interesting conversation uh, to look at the Warriors roster and the Wolves and see what might come of it. So appreciate the conversation, Cyrus. Yeah, man. Likewise. Take care, everyone. All right. So there you have it. My conversation with Cyrus Satsis over at uh, Lockdown Warriors. I don't think the Warriors are going to be a trade partner for Carl Anthony Towns. And again, as I said a couple times on on the crossover, I don't think the Wolves are in a position where they need to trade Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, they certainly aren't in a position where they need to. I don't think they feel like they need to. I think it's, if nothing else, a pivot. Tim Connolly's got in his back pocket. And if somebody blows them away and says, hey, strike while they are in hot, like we need to 
make this move while the Wolves are open to it. It's 100% possible if Portland says, we got this third pick, we have whatever else. Um, like, yeah, I, th- I think it's on the table. As I said on the show, 75-25, I think he still stays on the Wolves. But we'll spend some time this offseason kind of digging into potential trade partners because such a move would be so significant. It It is worth having these discussions to kind of, you know, see what it might take, in my opinion, for the Wolves to move off of Carl Tilly Towns um, and what it'll take for another team. Like, we may have some more crossover episodes with other teams that could be potential town suitors on the trade market here uh, throughout the offseason. All right, that's all we have for today. Big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. The show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. That includes the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find this show. And again, watch on YouTube, watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app. You can follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon. That's with two B's, two E's, C K. Yeah, of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.